Hi everyone and welcome back to Newswire. I'm Anya O'Boyle and I'm joined today by Aoife O'Brien, Kira O'Loughlin, Mary Foodie and Aoife Horan. We have a very special show for you today. It is our SU election special 2019. On today's show, we talk to every candidate running for a sabbatical position for the 2019-2020 academic year. We will be asking them why they are running for the position and why they deserve your vote. Welcome guys, um, today I have Calhoun Commons here with me and Ailish Keating both running for the position of VP for Academic Affairs. So thanks for joining me guys. Thanks for no having me. Thank you very much. So Ailish, what do you think you can bring that's a bit different to maybe what Cal brought um, to this position in the last year? Um, well I think, you know, the main thing is fresh eyes. You know, I think that, that that is something that I would definitely advocate for every year is to have fresh eyes in a position. I think it's it's definitely... Um, something now I do find though as well that um, from my own personal perspective a lot of my ideas and stuff have come from my experiences this year and final year mm-hmm. um, and this year being a class rep where you know we've had a lot of issues in, in my course with specific modules and stuff and you know I think that that has added to the experience that I will be definitely able to you know bring a lot of my experiences to the role but like I said the most important thing for me is definitely just fresh eyes you know, I think that that is something that is always important with an SU. And has your experiences being in final year been what made you decide to run for this position? Partially, yeah. Um, you know, since first year, I've always said SU is where I'm headed. So that's always what I've wanted okay. to do. But definitely, you know, final year in the first couple of weeks, I kind of found that a lot of the issues that crop up for students tend to be, they stem from smaller academic issues that mm-hmm. just tend to grow. And I think that that's what kind of pushed me towards academic affairs. Mm-hmm. And what are the main kind of issues that people have maybe brought to you concerning academic affairs? I mean, it could be anything, you know, ranging from an external marker not giving the same marks as the lecturer mm-hmm. right down to lectures being cancelled and feeling that they won't have time to make up. And then it, if that doesn't kind of get dealt with straight away, you end up then with a situation where a student is panicking come Mm -hmm. exams you know stress builds up anxiety builds up and believe me I've been there I know that stress I know that anxiety more than anyone and you know that that is kind of something that I found. Cal um what made you decide to rerun for this position and what do you think you can maybe bring a bit differently this time? Um yeah so what made me run was that um the term of the sabbatical officer is so short. One mm-hmm. year is by far so like this is actually quite crazy. When yeah. other jobs you go into, and you only have for a year. You spend the whole summer training and learning, and then the semester one starts, and you're taking away while everything starts, and then you actually kind of get to the selection season, and you're like you're just in the stride. Like an every sabbatical officer across the country tell you this that you're just in your stride when it comes semester two, and then elections creep up again. Mm-hmm. So I think continuity is the reason really. Um, I if if reelected, I wouldn't have to do the same training I've already done. But I'd be doing top up training, and I already know I've already got my kind of hold in the university now. I know the relevant university staff, and I know how to get things done as well. Mm-hmm. It would actually, it's just I would see it as beneficial to the union to have and that mix of some new people on the sabbatical team and some uh, uh, continuing on, uh, just kind of have that kind of fresh eyes that they just talked about from some positions, but also having the continuity and mm-hmm. um, there too. So I think it's so important to have that as well. But I definitely think. I don't think I would get stagnant either. I don't think um, I. I think I would still be have fresh ideas, as I just also mentioned. New the college changes so quickly. We have yeah. new students coming in, new issues arising, and that brings its own fresh eyes to it as well. What students are saying is what we we are doing. So it doesn't really matter what my what, who I am. Well, that doesn't matter who I am, <laughs> but it matters more what the students are telling us to yeah. do. I work for the students, and if the students have an issue, on that's what I'm working on. So that's really. 
And have you found that the issues affecting students regarding academic affairs has been different across the three DCU campuses or are they very much saying, coming back to you and saying this, that they're having the same issues? as Everyone does exams and yeah. everyone, ha- everyone will have an issue with exam at some stage mm-hmm. in their life. The amount of um, emails and queries and questions that come in once the exam results are sent out, they're, doesn't matter what faculty in, they're mm-hmm. all in all of them. So everyone does have academic, um, academic problems throughout their years in DCU. And um, I think I've done my best this, this year to help them as much as I can. So um, would you talk us through the proposed student partnerships and the success that these models have had in Trinity College? Absolutely, I'm very excited. <laughs> um, so yeah, I think I'm a really big advocate for um, student partnership, enhancing student voice as well. And um, So student partnership agreements, they are quite frequently done in the UK, mainly in Scotland, but they're also, the Trinity will be a good model of one in, in Ireland. So it's basically a, an agreement um, I said I wrote by both students union and the university and mm-hmm. um, just on like enhancing student voice where like ev- so everywhere on the university the students have voiced at the heart of it so having sabbatical officers on these big committees which they currently are but if there's a new one set up to make sure the student is oh there's always student reputation on them mm-hmm. um, and the thing is it, where, why I feel it's so important coming next year is that um, the university will be electing a new university president mm-hmm. Brian McCrow will be leaving and there'll be a new president so he Brian is a very much advocate for student voice as well um, but that's not said as a successor will be. So this is just to ensure the student voice kept there as well. It's so, so important uh, when it would change the um, present to have the continuation of the student voice um, throughout. And also with student partnership agreement in Trinity, they have an enhancement team every year. Um, so that changes. So if elected and I get to propose a student partnership agreement, I'd also have, like to have the enhancement team on feedback next year because that is an overlying issue throughout okay. um, every faculty. I've seen it. I see it through the Izzy survey, the Irish students uh, survey of engagement. And through students at forums we've done, uh, we've done that feedback is an issue in every faculty mm-hmm. for every student. Um, there is a currently policy on feedback in the university, but it's very vague. It just says um, time ba- uh, feedback will be given in a timely manner. Okay. Like, well, what is that really? Yeah. Um, so and do you aim to make that more specific, like yeah. give it a literal time period that it has to come back in? Or? Yeah. So uh, I've already kind of I've started this conversation already with um, certain university staff at mm-hmm. the deputy register and uh, people in the quality promotions office as well. And just I really want to work with them to amend the policy and get it passed through the university committees, like education committee and academic council, to have a kind of a more clear definition of what feedback is mm-hmm. and what students should expect from feedback and more of a, t- a clear time frame of when to get feedback. So say, um, it should be saying more like you will get feedback before the next assignment, the next okay. relevant assignment. Ailish, um, on your manifesto, you say that you want to have a part-time jobs fair. How do you think that how do you plan on promoting this while there's also students doing full-time courses? Do you think that it's going to achieve a balance for their lives? or? Well, I mean, the, the objective of having a part-time job fair is essentially, you know, having a part-time job is a necessity for most students, mm-hmm. including myself. You know, fees are high. Yeah. There's other than kind of, you know, things you have to pay for once you get to college, especially for students doing any sort of degree which involves them going to the Guelph Act. Mm-hmm. That's something else they have to pay for. You know, and I think having that part-time job is absolutely um, imperative for a lot of students. So the plan is to, you know, have a part-time job fair where we have employers who offer part-time jobs tailored around students. And would you intend on approaching employers and asking them if they can kind of have hours available that would suit individual students? Absolutely, yeah. yeah. Um, So the plan would be to, first of all, you know, start locally. um, Mm -hmm. Any sort of local bars, shops, anything like that that are planning on advertising. Um, because you do find a lot of a lot of places will start to advertise when college season starts back. So approaching myself, pr- approaching local businesses, local um, employers, 
to see would they be open to you know having a stall essentially mm-hmm. um at this fair and then you know what hours that they can offer to students and advertise the hours to students at the fair and then students can go talk to employers see if there's any flexibility see what's available to them for their timetable mm-hmm. and with the career classes do you think that you'd be able to get academic staff to incorporate this into the timetables that are already pre-made by registry um so so the thing is is that as a final year student i have careers classes this semester okay. um once a week and mm-hmm. it is on the timetable the issue being though you know i went to the grad ireland fair in semester one it happened at the start of, start of september i think middle of september mm-hmm. and a lot of the grad programs were all due within a couple of weeks of that if you're already applying to grad programs it's too late to be doing careers classes in my opinion it's too late to have them in semester two mm-hmm. when a lot of grad programs are closed and that's you know that's the big grad programs you know the likes of your vodafone jemison all of them have already started back in october mm-hmm it would be my opinion that it's too late to have them in semester two. So absolutely, I would advocate for having them moved. I would do my best to speak to registry, you know, speak to the, the relevant staff and see if it is a possibility to get them moved to first semester because I don't think it's it's not worth the time that it's being given at the minute in, in semester two. It would be much better in semester one. Thank you. So finally, I'm going to ask both of you, um, why do you deserve to be the VP for Academic Affairs next year. So I'll start with you, Cal. Um, yeah, I think I deserve to be re-elected Vice President of Academic Affairs because I've done. A, I think I've done a good job this year. I've answered so many student queries. I've run uh, campaign weeks uh, that haven't been done before. I've run them so well in partnership with the university and took that approach through all my um, initiatives. I know all the very relevant staff around the university for the position of uh, Vice President of Academic Affairs. I know how to get things done. I have the experience of having been here before. I just think I would, I would, the union would benefit from having uh, the uh, continuity of the Vice President of Academic Affairs again next year. So I would really, uh, really appreciate it if everyone did vote for me ne- uh, next Tuesday on Loop at, from 10am. What about you, Ailish? Yeah, um, so I believe I deserve to be elected um, purely because of the passion I can bring to this. Um, you know, I have a huge passion for ensuring students are having the best time in college and that includes their academics. Um, I also think that having fresh eyes, that's something that I... I really thought it thought about when I was making my manifesto um, and I think a lot of the ideas that I can bring will kind of show that I do have fresh ideas and you know I feel I do deserve to be elected into this position for that reason mostly um, but again like I said the passion that I have for it um, you know student politics is something that I've always been involved in I've always loved you know being a class rep and everything mm-hmm. it's it's just an absolute passion of mine so I really really would give my all to this position um, and I think that that's something that a lot of students can resonate with so again like Cal said I would really appreciate your vote on loop um 10 a.m tuesday till 3 p.m on thursday so joining us in studio today is Helen Wade and Katie Fay um both running for the position of VP for Engagement and Development. Thank you so much both for joining us today. So firstly, I'm going to go home to Helen. So in your own words, can you tell us what motivated you to run for the position of Engagement and Development? Ooh. <laughs> so um, I am a mature student. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I'm on Paths Campus as well. So I feel like um, the engagement on across all three campuses, it just hasn't been enough. Um, I also feel like that the engagement in can uh, the engagement with like the class rep system and the class reps themselves is not enough with events. It's nothing is enough, and I I want to change that. 
Um, I have been a Clasharp for two years as well myself, um, and I'm chair of Clasharp Council currently. Um, so it means an awful lot to me. Inclusion and engagement of all students, postgrad, undergrad, mature students, it means absolutely everything to me, and I want to be the person to change that for TCU. Okay, and over to you, Katie. Um, yeah, so my motivation to run for the role, um, basically I've had a fantastic experience um, with my personal engagement in DCU over my four years here and I really want to share that experience with as many students as possible. Um, like Helen, I've been a class rep for two years, I'm currently the science and health faculty rep and um, so I know there is some problems with the system. A lot of class reps, they find getting involved with class or pencil boring sometimes, um, even as hard as Helen tries to make it fun. <laughs> um, but I would like to definitely make it a more enjoyable and inclusive experience and just give everyone that best time they can. Give them give everyone that best time they can. Give them the best time they can in college. Okay, and then just um, for yourself, Katie, can you give us some more information about electing an events coordinator? Why do you think this is necessary? Are DCU holding enough events as it is? Yes, DCU are holding enough events, and the SU do a fantastic job, but this year in particular, there wasn't a full-time events coordinator, um, so that meant that, say, Carl, the engagement officer, and Vito, the president um, of the SU, were spending a lot of their time planning the events, such as the balls and stuff, which are fantastic, and I'm delighted that they happen throughout the year, but a full-time events coordinator would mean that the sabbaticals um, can do the job they're elected to do every single day um, and still, yeah, just basically do the job they're elected to do. And guys, to both of you as well, um, with regards to All Hallows, do you think there needs to be more engagement and more representation there as well? Absolutely. Oh my God, absolutely. And All Hallows, like I was down there yesterday, All Hallows is absolutely gorgeous. Oh my God, it's just so beautiful. And it's, it's such a big space as well. So I think we can do a lot more outdoor activities for the students there on, on nice days when it's not raining, obviously. Um, but, you know, there's like cafes there, there's a canteen. You can definitely hold smaller events down there as well. And the students, there's a lot of art students down there, a lot of, you know, theology, philosophy students as well. There are just loads of people down there and they're dying for events. They feel like they're just in a bit of a hole on their own down there. They feel like there's just such a disconnect and it's it's unfair. So we need to give them what they want next year. And yeah, absolutely agree with Helen on that front. All Hallows is an absolutely magnificent campus. We've done different sort of trainings and stuff down there and it's just, it's a lovely campus. Canteen is lovely. And um, the whole thing, I think it gets neglected a bit because I suppose a lot of students who are, are, are on All Hallows will probably have at least one other class on Paths or Glasnevin campus. Um, but that's not fair either. They might have a majority of their classes down in All Hallows. Um, so definitely more visibility down there, even if it's one or two events or 10 events during the week that you can put down there just to give students that feeling of inclusion. Okay. Um, one thing that was in your manifesto, sorry Helen again, is electronic scanners for class rep council. Um, can you explain to our listeners how something like this will help class reps A and B make the lives of generally in, of students uh, easier? Yep, Grant. Um, so at the moment, um, our attendance sign-in is, it is electronic, but it's through an Excel spreadsheet. So I need like part-timers like Katie yeah. and a couple of other part-timers to literally help my secretary Mary at CRC to sign in people and it is time consuming yeah. isn't it like it is yeah, time, very consuming. time consuming and, and it's it's ridiculous so CRC would end up starting maybe 10-15 minutes late because of this so I know that um you know if you get scanners you can basically scan the student card and they're signed in online and it is possible. I've talked about this with staff as well. It is possible. So um, I would like to implement this for, and again, it's for the next CRC chair, mm -hmm. but I would like to implement it as a sabbat and it will make so much more sense. And it would make people 
want to come to CRC and not have to wait in line like for ages, you know, when they're trying to get signed in. It's just it's just another way for things to just go quicker because CRC can be quite a long experience for people. And on yourself, would you have a similar opinion of that? Or? Oh, definitely. I never really thought about it, actually. But yeah, I've sat and I've signed people into CRC this year and it is. It's long and CRCs can go on for two to three hours anyway. So anything to reduce that time and make people want to go to CRC more, absolutely be on board for that. Um, and then regards sustainability, um, something that's been brought to my attention recently is that although we have um, within DCU, sorry, within Glasnevin campus, um, say within the U, we have uh, recyclable bins, we also have like general waste, and we also have, um, I think it's compost. Mm-hmm. Um, what's been brought to my attention is that they apparently all go into the one um, area to be disposed of. Has anything like this come up? And do you think you would either of you would implement something to change this in the future? Um, yeah, so I actually met with the chair of the Sustainable Living Society. And basically, um, I think all the waste does go into the same same area. And then a company is actually paid. They come and like they sort it all out and they make money off that. Um, so I would love to have bins like... The bins in the U, like they're very nice fancy bins, but you could definitely do an easier version of it all around the campus um, with your own printed signs that you do up or whatever. Um, so that everywhere you have the whole university and hopefully it'd come in bit by bit. And then in like five years time, it's just a thing. Everyone knows exactly how to do the recycling. Um, it was definitely something I looked into possibly doing like recycling workshops for clubs and socks because um, like there's places that do them for free and a lot of people just don't know exactly like a coffee cup can't just go straight into the recycling because it has a plastic layer on the inside and just really simple things like that. So yeah, I'm definitely pushing for a sustainability awareness um, if I'm here next year. I absolutely agree with Katie and I'm, I was chatting with uh, the Rediscovery Centre as well down in Ballymun mm-hmm. um, I used to volunteer there as well and they would love to even facilitate workshops yeah. for us and also Eco UNESCO they would absolutely love to, vi- to facilitate workshops for us and they would do it for free like because yeah. they are so passionate about sustainability and um, they just they you know they want it done correctly and again with the the bins you know, Katie was absolutely right in what she said. But again, we do need the same bins on Pats and All Hallows. They don't exist. Yeah. Like, they just, like, we don't have proper compost bins, nothing like that. Um, And they're needed there as much as they are here. But, yeah. So it's getting it right, but also getting it right across yeah, yeah, every campus yes. is the issue. Okay. And then, so for Katie, can you explain more about how you want to improve the class rep system? Why is it not currently working as well as it could be? Um, yeah, the class rep system. So I've been a class rep for two years um, and I thoroughly enjoyed my time doing it. But a lot of people that go to the first CRC, in my, the first one's always a bit long. You have a lot of elections and stuff to do for different officers um, and people get bored quickly. And like it is, it's hard to improve upon that. Helen's done a fantastic job this year on trying to keep the engagement while she's there. Um, but definitely just making it a more enjoyable and inclusive experience. Definitely like motion writing workshops at the start of the year. So if people have like, sometimes you go and you're like, oh, this motion, like a lot of students like, I don't even care about this. So if students know how to write motions for stuff they do care about, it'll mean more motions are coming through on things that students really want to vote on. Mm -hmm. Um, And definitely getting like hoodies and lanyards in for semester one. Um, I suppose the debate against that is always that, oh, you give them their hoodie, they'll stop coming. Um, But you would hope that if it's an enjoyable experience for everyone that they'll keep coming Um, and definitely 
bigger classes say someone like the, the BA classes down on Pats and stuff and um, there's classes of 400 and if you don't know who your class rep is it would be really easy to just point them out in their hoodie um, so definitely yeah just stuff like that and I'd like to if I was here next year do a trip away and um, we did one two years ago and it was so much fun we went to Glendlock for the night and it was fab um, and it was a really nice way to like informally meet the SU meet the other class reps um, so yeah they're just a few of the things I'd like to bring forward if I was here next year and then just on a uh, final note uh, you in your manifesto Helen um, spoke about uh, mature students are mature students represented enough um, within our not only our SU our student body and are they like included enough in your opinion no they're not I don't think so I'm a mature student myself and when I came to TCU I felt so alone so alone as a 26 year old woman um, and you know thankfully I I put myself forward for class rep, I was class rep for a few years and all that kind of thing, got really involved in SU and that's great. But so many mature students feel like they're just totally forgotten about and overlooked. And it's really unfair because they actually have a lot of life experience that they can bring to the table. They're not as scary as people think they are, you know, like I know we do ask a lot of questions, but like, no, we're not that scary. And um, so doing like in my manifesto, I was saying that um. I want to do mature student seminars and they'd be for incoming like new mature students but also current mature students as well and it's just to talk to them about the supports that are available for them and um, you know putting on uh, more events that would be kind of suited to them and again not just for older people people my age like I'm 30 now you know but you know a 30 year old person might not want to do the same as an 18 year old person. now I do but like <laughs> that's different but, but that's thing, I think doing the seminars and, and making them feel like they're included, making them feel that they do have a voice too. It's really, really important. And a lot of classes that don't have class reps, the mature students actually want to be the class reps, but they're afraid because they're afraid that they'll be just judged and looked at because they're mature students. There is a stigma there and I need to just break that down. That's it. Um, and then just finally to both of you, um, what is your main thing that you would like to change in DCU if you did get the position? What's your main focus for engagement and development? Um, my main focus is campaigns um, I suppose engagement and development is only quite a new role so each year it's kind of taken on new forms um, and it's definitely a role that is flexible and you can really do what you want with it I think um, so campaigns is my big one um, I've been involved in a lot of campaigns definitely this year being on the SU um, and we have so many different weeks be it careers week, refugee week, kiss week um, and they're run pretty much solely by the SU and the exec and part time officers and I'd like to have similar to the welfare working group um, a campaign crew and it'd be just I feel like students feel like they can't always get involved with the SU. It's like, oh, I'm not on the SU or I'm not a class rep. Um, so people feel like, oh, I can't really get involved. I just like to break it down, make it really informal um, and just teach people how to run a campaign um, and get information out, be it booking a speaker to come in or booking classrooms, even very simple things. Um, because I just think it's a great experience running any sort of campaign. Um, so yeah, definitely campaigns would be one of my big things. And for Helen? Um, my big thing is is the visibility across all three campuses. It seems like a really simple thing, but it's not. It's something that's a huge issue. So I want to put such a focus on events for all three campuses. Um, you know, and for again another thing, the class reps again. It's kind of sorry. It's two main focuses, <laughs> but um, but no, the SBC visibility and again, it's it's across all three campuses, not just Pats. I want the incorporation between DCU, Pats and All Hallows to just be DCU. I want the Pat students to say, oh, I'm a DCU student, not I'm a Pat student. It's the same call, we're all in it together. And I need to break down that barrier. That's just something I have to do next year if I'm elected. And I will do it next year if I'm elected. Okay. Um, 
question for both of you is do you think um, that the SU would benefit or not from still being part of the USI and do you have opinions there or not? Just gonna yeah um there are lots of pros and cons to usi um we've worked very closely with them this year definitely and um, they are fantastic for definitely bringing student issues to national level and um, getting things talked about in government etc etc um if it was to come to vote and i was on the su next year i would take whatever stance the students mandate the su to do and um, because that's the job you're there to do um but yes no they, they're a good organization definitely i would agree um, definitely and again the same as yourself Katie like I would take whatever stance the SU wanted um, that's absolutely fine um, but again I think that you know the training and the campaigns and stuff they run are absolutely brilliant and everything like that so yeah no whatever the SU wants to yeah that's me okay I just I'm finally going to say thank you so much to Helen and Katie for coming in um, both uh, girls today are running for VP for uh, engagement and development best luck to both of you I hope it all Thank goes you. well. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you. Hello and welcome back to Newswire. I'm Aoife O'Brien and I'm joined today by Ashling Fagan, Keen Conroy and Cindy Luna Chen, who are all running for DCU Student Union's Vice President for Welfare and Equality. So Ashling, I'm going to start with you if that's okay. Mm -hmm. You were Vice President for Welfare and Equality for the past academic year. Yeah you've decided to rerun for the same position. Mm -hmm. Can you explain why you've decided this? Yeah. Um, so it was a, a quite a tough decision to decide to rerun, but then it also wasn't at the same time. The year's experience made me realise that one year isn't enough time to make any long-term proper change. Um, and I feel like continuing, there, there's a massive culture in every other like, college and university with, with rerunning in student unions, but it doesn't seem to be a thing in DCU. Um, and kind of meeting all those people throughout the year and seeing the two terms and seeing how much change can actually you can make within that time um, put it kind of planted the seed in my head and then made, made me really really want to just continue and keep going with all the things and build on everything that we've done so far this year. Okay so Keen, you're running against a candidate who has a full year of experience as Vice President for Welfare and Equality. Why do you believe that you're better suited to and more capable of carrying out this position? I'd say it all comes down to I well, not just me, but the students who were students for the past year lived through the problems, saw the problems, they know what the problems are that need to be solved. So, me as an example of running, I, I saw things that need to be changed. So, for me, I feel like I'm the best candidate because I am the person who lived through those problems and who wants to change those problems to better everybody else's experience. And Cindy, I'm going to pose the same question to you. Why are you better suited to the role? Um, I would have kind of a similar... I'm going to come back to you again for a minute. So in terms of accommodation, you said that measures need to be put in place to combat issues that arise from accommodation pages, such as the DCU accommodation page, where students are often taken advantage of. However, because it's private landlords and homeowners that generally post on these pages, is this something that you're going to be able to moderate? Well... It is the DCU accommodation page, so um, the welfare officer is the admin of it. So they see what's being posted, they see who wants to post and they have to approve it. So what I want to do is I want to, let's say there's a house that's 800 euro a month, for example. I'd be like, okay, can you send me pictures just to like justify your price? Because I want students to get the fairest deal, like within their means to live in this accommodation so if they send pictures that allow they justify the reason i'd be like yeah you can do that but if not i'd be like listen that is far too expensive for students you are taking advantage of them 
this is not right. So I feel like you should not be allowed to post there because as admin, you have that power. Do you think with the current accommodation crisis that we're in that taking away these houses possibly is going to create more pro problems or do you think that possibly it will help to solve it? Well, it would have, but both effects would be there because when you solve something, a problem does arise. So if they see that, oh, maybe that is too expensive, they could lower the prices. If not, they could go somewhere else. Okay. So, Ashling, last year accommodation played a huge part in your campaign mm -hmm. and you actually proposed to introduce a part-time accommodation officer. Yep. Now, this hasn't <laughs> been achieved as of yet, but accommodation isn't listed as part of your manifesto this year. Can you explain maybe why? Um, so, firstly, on the last point, um, or on the first firstly on the first point um so uh, yeah that was looked into and it wasn't realistic but um for the summer coming um the help desk staff are going to be trained in everything that the part-time officer would have been doing so because the main the main time that help is needed and the main time that like the main workload for the welfare and quality officer when it comes to accommodation is during the summer so that bit of help from the help desk staff will be incredibly incredibly helpful because it's, it's phone calls it's all paperwork and admin and things like that so um so that will be a big help there. So that's kind of that, basically. But um, I didn't make it a big point because it's always going to be there. It's always going to be such an important issue, and I didn't feel the need. Like it's it it comes with the with the role. I di I didn't feel the need to to go into too much detail in and manifesto. It was five hundred words. We had to keep it short and sweet, and I wanted to put everything else in there. Cindy, you had put in your manifesto. You kind of echoed. Ashling's manifesto from last year that you would like to see the introduction of a part-time accommodation officer do you think that possibly you should have looked into this before you prepared your manifesto or do you still think it's possible I still think that it would, could be possible to do and especially it would be brilliant because obviously to have a part-time officer who's also you know a student and they do I suppose in a way understand the crisis of looking for accommodation a little better and um, I just think that it would be really nice to have someone who's very, that's kind of their, that's their main, their main role to help people with um, issues with landlords. And do you think the help desk alone would not be sufficient in this? I do think that it would, the help desk could definitely do it as well, but if possible I would really like to see the introduction of a part-time accommodation officer. Brilliant. So Ashling, you placed a huge emphasis this past year on consent mm -hmm. and consent workshops. Yeah. And you have added this year that tackling antisocial behaviour on campus and toxic group chat culture is also a priority. Yeah. Can you explain how you're going to combat this or what this means? Yeah, so the, the group chat thing kind of came up this year. We, there was a lot of um, bullying cases that emerged this year um, that came from group chats. Um, a lot of it was kind of first years and um, kind of at the start of the years, so you can kind of see that, that that could happen because obviously the people are fresh out of secondary school, it's all very new. Um, but it, it, it has become an issue and I think it always has been an issue. I don't know if people, but people maybe weren't aware that they could um, bring it forward because it, there's a lot to do with um, kind of social media and cyberbullying within the respect and dignity policy. So I think when people knew that they could do something about it, they, people did start to do it. Um, so that was, I think, creating awareness and just working on that. It, it seems it's a national issue. We saw it. We've seen it everywhere. We've seen it. We saw it in the, in the Paddy Jackson trial. Like that was a very kind of a big example of of the the toxic uh, group chat culture so i think 
creating awareness about it and people need to be aware of the effects of social media and that when they post something it is it's there and it, it won't disappear and when you've said it you've said it you can't like once you say something you can't really take it back especially when it's on social media and people need to be aware of the effects that that is having on others um because it's been a, a huge huge issue it's been brought to us by staff students um and lots of lots of different people so that was the kind of the main um one of the focuses there and then with consent um again it, it's a massive issue it's, it's a culture issue so again the workshops are amazing and we'll continue to do them as much as we can but we need to work on a national level and there is um there is work being done on a national level on getting um a national framework Im implemented and getting consent education embedded in, in within the university and not having to leave it up to five sabbatical officers um to be in charge of trying to educate everyone about it because that's um, everyone should be receiving this education in second level, um, and they're not. But hopefully, hopefully soon, it's it's being worked on in the office at the minute that um, that it will become um, a national framework. So fingers crossed. If I come back to the toxic group Sorry, chat yeah. culture for a minute, do you believe that people are not aware that what is being put out there is there for good? Do you not think this message has already been driven home? You would think so, but it just it doesn't seem to be, and that like screen recording and screenshots being sent around like you, you think that some, so if you say something about someone that they won't see it but it can always get to them and it has in in several cases that we've seen this year and it's had really really terrible effects on people um so i think just creating more awareness around it and asking people to be more conscious and to be nicer in some cases it, it comes back to that um but yeah i think definitely creating awareness about that is and how will that awareness be created that's the question. <laughs> um, I suppose continuing with kind of campaigns and things that we, like the instruct in the ways that we've we've done um, during the year and the, in the ways that officers before us have done as well. Um, social media campaign like social media campaigns about social media because that's where everyone is and where they'll see it. Um, and yeah, I think going down that route. Okay, so Keen, in your manifesto, you've said that you want to introduce sex education for members of the LGBTQ plus community. How is this information going to be distributed? So, <clears throat> this information, so, as Ashin said, um, social media is a great platform, but not only that, it should be available through the DCU websites, all of them. So, if the information is there, and it's DCU certified, it shows it's credible that these students know where to look for it, but also not only that, there should be talks given. Like, do you know when you're in school and you're given the talk? you know absolutely yes now, when i was in school i didn't get the talk i needed because okay. as someone who's part of the lgbtq uh, lgbtq plus community the sex education i got was more towards the, the heterosexual side and sex is a big part of college it is as like condoms are handed out every day we have we have sti and information like that available we don't have how to have like Safe sex. Safe sex, the property, like how make sure you're doing it right. I know it sounds very like um humorous, but it is a very serious issue because a lot of people it breaks your confidence. It does break your confidence when you're like, I can't do that because I don't know what to do. And I want to be, to build people's confidence, to make them happier, to make them comfortable in the decisions they're making. Do you think that that is something that is kind of solely focused towards the LGBTQ plus community? No. Because there are people, some people I know who, because of the schools they went to, whether they be very Christian, they didn't get this education they need. And these are like 
heterosexual people, they did not receive what they needed. It was very, it was stripped back what they got. They got the basics. And it, it wouldn't only be focused on um, the LGBTQ, the, I always get that wrong, the LGBTQ plus community, because that would be unfair. It's all about, it's inclusive sex education. It's not focused sex education. So everyone's included in it. And is it someone on campus that is going to maybe distribute this information, give the talks? Who is going to be qualified to and certified to give this information and make sure that it's factually correct? Well, we'd have to we'd have to look around. We'd have to see who in the university is educated on it. If not, we could get someone in who could find information. They're like, yeah, this is credible. Publish that. And not only that, you could get speakers in, just people to help. Because what these what we need is help. Sometimes help is given from the inside, sometimes it's given from the outside. So, Cindy, I'll bring the final question to you. Um, earlier you mentioned you would like to introduce a peer-led mentoring scheme. However, as the workload for students tends to increase with each consecutive year of study, will older students be willing to dedicate time to participate in this on top of their already existing workload and possibly society life as well? I think that's a very good point to make, but I do think that it's kind of um, students are more willing to help than you think and the thing is once you uh, because I, I've been helping out where at a charity I volunteer at to help with a peer-led mentoring scheme there so I, so the idea is that you would have a very intensive training at the start which I know is long and people have things to do but after that you would only have to dedicate maybe an hour or two of your time like and it's on maybe once a week or maybe every two weeks it's very much dependent on the peer mentor and the peer mentees their relationship and what they think would work out the best for them and um the thing is the peer-led mentoring schemes have already are already a thing in like ucd and trinity and from speaking to people going there they and people who've benefited from the service or been a uh, mentor they found like I've spoken to someone who was training to be a mentor and she said that yes it is hard and but it is one of those things where you will get so much benefit from it and the, your mentee will benefit from it too and it's such good experience for your CV and just gives you the chance to help someone out because I feel like a lot of students who even though they are busy would have been in my position because the reason why as well that I wanted to introduce a peer mentoring system was because like I was floating around in first year very just kind of confused and just look a bit lonely and didn't have many friends and it didn't just last and f like first year didn't finish and I was like oh everything's great now it kept going into second year and I know that it's not just a first year thing like it's happens to everyone in any year and I think students a lot of that will relate to that and I think a lot of students will would like the opportunity to be able to help someone out in that way um, because they related to So thank you so much to all my guests today, Keen Conroy, Ashling Fagan and Cindy Lunachen. And thank you all for tuning into Newswire. So welcome back to Newswire. Today I'll be talking with the only candidate for education and placement, Olivia Ford. So Olivia, why do you believe you should be the VP for education and placement, first of all? Um, well, I've been... I'm actually doing education. I'm a Bachelor of Religious Education and English student, so I'm doing secondary school teaching. Um, and I've been involved in everything, I suppose, since coming to DCU uh, four years ago. I was an active class rep, I was an education faculty rep, and I think this is the next step for me. 
Um, what would you do differently from the current VP for Education and Placement? Um, well, I suppose not to sound bad or anything, but I actually have been on placement before, so I suppose I can kind of relate more to students. Not that uh, Craig has done a bad job or anything, but I suppose I can relate more to students and um, I kind of, like, one thing I'd like to do is have placement workshops um, it's just student collaboration, get student, older students in to talk to first years, there's only so much you can learn from lectures and I suppose that way I kind of know then that's kind of what students want. What do you aim to do for student teachers in regards to the Gwail Talk fees? Do you see this mandatory fee ever becoming cheaper or less expensive for student teachers? The Gwail Talk has been a battle that's been going on for ages, Gwail Talk fees. Um, like I really hope that it will become cheaper. It is a large portion that happens to all the BEDs. Um, it is a large amount of money that I hope we can reduce, I suppose, just build on the work that Craig's done and everything this year and the previous education and placement um, with Matt and Manus the year before and just keep building on it and then hopefully we will get somewhere. Do you think it's absolutely necessary for student teachers to attend the Gwail Talk in their course? As I've heard from many, that when they are down there, they only speak Irish in classes and the rest of the time it tends to be English. Um, now, I don't actually go to the Gale Talk because that's not part of my degree. Um, but I know, I suppose it is to kind of, the primary school teachers, they have to teach Irish. That's why it's there. It's for the benefit of that. But I know at the same time, they think it's a bit of a, a session, I suppose, two weeks away from college. They do talk Irish in class. I get it would be beneficial in some ways. They are talking Irish in class. They should be talking the whole time and um, but I suppose that's just the way it is I wish they did I suppose keep talking Irish and that's what it's there for like how do you feel about being the only candidate in your category running it's kind of nervous in a way because I I'm the only one here but um and it, it's all eyes are on me then you know I think if there was more competition I obviously I aimed for I expected competition I'm a bit disappointed that I am the only person um but now all eyes are are on me whereas if there was more people it would be the tension would be split but again I don't really mind that at all I just kind of wish I had some competition. Um, do you feel like you're at like a loss or a gain from currently being in placement while it does make you a good candidate for the position you're going for do you think it's impacting upon the campaign that you're running? A tiny bit yes but at the same time no the only issue is that I am in school and like running from school to here to campaign but at the same time I've got such a good team behind me and I can still do loads on, on from school like social media wise um, which is a big part of the campaign but then it is just my school is so understanding as well they then the vice principal has been like yeah that's you're free to go when you need to so um, I don't think I am really at a disadvantage I, I wish I was at a disadvantage I, I wish I was more on the ground but then I am here most of the time anyway so and for our final category we have the nominees who are running for the position of dcu students union president this year we have two nominees christine farrell and adam healy thank you both very much for joining us in studio today guys um so christine i'll come to you first do you have any new ideas on how to ensure that students in particular freshers are engaged with the su and understand what you are there for yeah for sure thanks Mel, for having me on today um so for sure, I think it's a slight issue in terms of freshers and getting engaged and getting them to know what the Students' Union is. So kind of three areas that I want to touch on in terms of that. Um, firstly, I've been sitting on student staff forums um, for the business school in the past week. And what was mentioned, what it was there's a little bit of a problem with 
induct induction into DCU, um, mainly just because students are being thrown so much information at once and they don't know how to take it all in. And at that point, they would be told about the SU. Um, so I know that there's already kind of plans in place to have kind of smaller inductions that don't just go on in the helix. And that is somewhere where the SU could come in maybe to a lecture in week two or it's week one more for like informal basis to kind of introduce them what the SU is. And then the second thing that I want to do is one of my main points in my manifesto is to have daily events in the SU to increase engagement. And then the third thing in terms of increasing engagement, especially for first years, um, would be the class rep system. I currently just think it's a little bit too formal in the way that it's organised and it's a bit hard. I don't think that it actually represents all the students. I don't think a lot of students know what goes on about it at it and um, I kind of want to change that so that students know it's more of an informal thing and we're all getting stuff done together as a collaborative group um, in just a more of an informal setting so that it's kind of communicated back to freshers as well in that way. Okay brilliant and Adam um, I'll put that question to you as well. Um, I think first of all thanks again for having me on. Um, I think that at the minute we're very like the people that want to be involved are involved and people that want to know what's going on has got like that's they know and that's that information's there for them but for I think for first years especially like a lot of people don't know what the SU is and what to do for them uh, I think a, little, a nice little booklet there uh, in the freshers pack would make all the difference with faces to the names with the stuff that's there for them and I think we're, what we're missing here is so many more students we have so many students that are just untouched and they're down on St. Pat's campus I'm a, a Pat's uh, person myself and I come up here from a socialising because there's not a lot down there. It's a very family-oriented place. But when the SU then collectively joined together, the money that was kind of taken together, I feel like they kind of feel like something was taken from Pat's now. And I'd love to try. And, and I think this year we've done a great job of getting that back, but just kind of reinforcing that. So my next question is, I think that, you know, we, we can all agree that the housing crisis at the moment, um, especially for students, is a very major and a very complex issue as well. Um, but Adam, what will you do to help students who are struggling to find or pay for accommodation? There's a lot of uh, frustration around the DCU accommodation pages uh, in terms of trying to find accommodation around Dublin on these pages because people, it's not really looked after, it's not really um, mon monitored. So somebody could be like, oh, here's a room for 700 quid a month when usually you shouldn't be paying, like obviously we should be paying less than 500, but that is the kind of going rate. And students there just get, like, it, the, the prices are extortionate. I try and make that form a little bit more open for students and make sure that the only people that are on it are people that actually want to help a student that, to live in their house. But also look at what we're doing on campus ourselves and see how we can help the students that are living in, on the campus. Brilliant. And Christine, um, I'd just like to pose that question to you as well. So um, what would you do for students who are struggling to find or pay for accommodation? Vito and the team have been doing loads this year in relation to the student accommodation crisis and definitely would pick up exactly where they have left off, wherever they are at with it come June. Um, they've done loads and definitely continue to lobby the government to introduce our rent caps because it's absolutely necessary at this rate. It's extortionate what people are paying over in Chinon. Um But as, as Adam mentioned as well, on campus, we are lucky that they didn't, you know, increase their prices as much as Chinon did. Um, but the fines on campus are outrageous and silly, silly things you get fined for. Uh, brilliant, thanks Christine. And um, I pose this question to both of you, maybe Christine you could answer first. Um, how would you ensure that clubs and societies are following appropriate conduct and maybe that incidences ha that have happened in the past won't happen again in the future? Yeah, for sure. I think it's been an interesting year 
in terms of clubs and societies in DCU and um, I feel like some of the events that took place in semester one um, were obviously a little, got a little bit out of hand and well, a bit more than out of hand but um, that I, if elected president I definitely ensure to work with the clubs and societies office and make sure that that doesn't happen again work with SLC and CLC um, but also I feel like after semester one it's been a huge learning curve um, for all the students um, especially I think it kind of eye-opened that there was kind of this culture going on that wasn't nice and that shouldn't be there. And I think as a university as a whole, um, there are definitely people have learned and we can move forward from it. Um, and definitely, yeah, just to learn from all that has happened and going forward to work more closely on training when people come in so they know what is and is not acceptable, for sure. Brilliant. Thank you, Christine. And Adam, um, how would you I- ensure this? Yeah, um, well, at the minute now, my... for. My, my campaign uh, I'm really trying to push transparency, transparency within the DCU SU and productivity uh, which and a part of that productivity would be spotting something early and nipping it in the bud I think um, for the activities that you might have been ta- referring to earlier I th- think the truth like for kind of induction for first as well it's very important that they're in, introduced in the right way and we I think it was kind of mur- murmured, uh, like since I was in first year, stuff like that had always been kind of whispered, and like this is going on and this is going on, and um, but we just kind of let it happen, and then we let it go too far as a college, I think, and especially as a students union, we let it go on for too long, um, so far so far so much that it actually went over the edge, so if I was president and I seen something like this happen, um, or anything, and I just start kind of like getting this kind of vibe off like a society you're kind of doing this and that's kind of break the rules but no one's saying anything nip that in the bud get rid of it make sure that the students are obviously having a fantastic time but in the same way that all the other clubs and societies are doing uh, because it was unsafe for the students and for their not just for their physical health but obviously their mental and well, mental health and well-being and just speaking about health in general and on campus do either of you have any ideas on how you can you know, promote, you know, not even promoting healthy eating because I do feel there are there are places in DCU for that, but maybe one problem is the bad food that is on campus. I mean, you see, you know, vending machines in every building, you know, Londis has the new donut place, and then as well, clubs and socks, kind of, well, sorry, not clubs, um, more societies kind of, you know, promoting like, oh, come and you'll get free pizza. Um, is there any way you could, you know, encourage students to, <coughs> to just choose the healthier option on campus, I suppose. At the minute, uh, yeah, I think we all, as a student body, I think we're trying to get better at it. And at the minute, pizza is much easier than Camille. For societies, it's cheaper. And that's um, that's just the way it is. But I do think we can change it with, with a proactive attitude. Okay, and Christine, um, would you have anything to um, say about that or add to that? Yeah, I know, I completely agree with the whole, like, Domino seems to sponsor every society and club and stuff like that and um, I know that there's efforts been made this year I know um vice president for engagement and development Carl McGovern um has just literally in the past few days brought in a vending machine in the students union from body first um so they kind of have healthy pre-made meals um so there's like kind of lasagnas or there's like rice and satay and stuff like that that just would have more veg in it, even like kind of, I know there's like a vegan korma or something, I saw one of them, something there, which is a much nicer option. Um, that's something that I want to bring in is more microwaves in DCU. But also with that, um, 
I know DCU Healthy Campus is a Twitter page for it and it's a great department they kind of promote loads and I'd love to work with them more next year on kind of having a collaborative campaign on eating more fruit and veg and kind of the importance of it for students because I feel like it's might just be a lack of education as well amongst the students on eating healthy definitely thanks Christine um so my final question is and um, I'll come to you Christine um why do you believe you should be DCU student union president as in what qualities will you bring to this role yeah um so I've been this is my fourth year in DCU I've been class rep for the past four years in my course for over 200 students I won class rep of the year over a couple hundred other class reps two years ago I've been inter-officer for um class rep council for the past three years I've held multiple positions on different clubs and societies throughout my time here and I've just really had such an amazing time I'm really organized really passionate really um excited and about everything the student union has to offer and I really feel like that passion within me could come out by giving back to the students at DC for all that DC has given me I feel like those are the type of qualities that I bring to the table brilliant thanks Christine and Adam uh, why should you be DCU's student union president um, I want to be a DSU president because I think I'd be the best person for the job. I honestly have had the best three years of my life here. Um, from I was first year for music sock and then I moved up to the chairperson of the Sober Society. Um, I've been involved in uh, between volunteering with RAG and DSU volunteer to um, I was doing a lot of shows with DSU drama and uh, DSU Glee with uh, music sock. Um, but even uh, and in the first year, I just remember I was ne- I was never that involved in the SU because, in my opinion, the SU weren't doing much for me, so I didn't want I what you you wouldn't give back to somebody that wasn't giving you much. But then second year, um, when in the year of seventeen to eighteen, I believe yes, um, there was a fantastic SU and they were given back to the students, and that encouraged me to go for class rep. And then by the end of that year, I became humanities and social science factory rep. And I've just had such a fantastic time on the SU and I've seen firsthand what difference the SU can make for its students. And if I get, and I'm currently I'm representing the biggest faculty in DCU, um, so if I can do that, but over all students, if I can represent them to the best of my ability, I'd love to do that. I, I want, I, my career ambition here is to be a teacher. Uh, necessarily, the DCU presidency would not have any kind of impact towards my future goals and I hope that kind of speaks volumes that this won't affect me in any way after I leave DCU I really want to give back to the students it has it's for no kind of personal benefit I just want to give back to the place that has given me so much over the last year and I've seen as I said I've seen what DSU can do and I think that we've had such a great range of leaders over the last couple of years we're going from Kim Sweeney right up to Vida Maloney work and I think I could definitely be the person to follow up in their footsteps. Brilliant. Well, thank you both so much for joining us in studio today. And I wish you both the best of luck. Thank you very much, Alice. Thank you so much. Thanks, Al. So thank you very much for tuning in to our SU election special 2019. I'm Anya O'Boyle. And I'm Aoife O'Brien. Full lengths of each of these debates are now available on our Spotify. Also, make sure to follow us on Facebook, Instagram and Twitter at DCU MPS News for all the latest. Voting will commence on Monday the 4th of March, so listen to our full-length podcasts and make an informed decision. Make sure to also tune into our referendum special next Monday at 6pm. That's all for now. Thanks very much.